Hello and welcome to Stump Death and Taxes. This is Meep, also known as Mary Pat Campbell. And today I'm getting back to the basics with public finance, sorry, public finance, and the macabre principle. This is macabre from Charles Dickens' novel, David Copperfield. And he had a saying, annual income 20 pounds, annual expenditure 19, 19 and 6, result happiness. And this is in the old uh, pounds, shillings and pence. So 19 pounds, 19 shillings and 6 pence, result happiness. Annual income 20 pounds, annual expenditure 20 pounds, ought and 6, result misery. So Wilkins Macabre from David Copperfield's by Charles Dickens. And this was a character known for getting into debt in the novel. This was somewhat based on Charles Dickens' own father, who was in debtor's prison a few times during Dickens' own lifetime, most notably when Charles Dickens was a child. Charles Dickens himself was notoriously good with money as an adult and was a very good businessman, but he was pretty much the only person in his family who was. And he got to know several businessmen, and I've talked about Charles Dickens and business fraud before. But what I want to talk about today is this principle that was really talking about personal finance, you know, spend less than you bring in actually extends to public finance. So a few days ago, I had a post, uh, Stump 2023, Back to Basics on Public Finance. Over the years, so I started Stump itself in 2014, and before that, I had been blogging at various sites owned by other people um, over the years. And uh, those posts are lost to history and possibly the web archive, the Wayback Machine. And I can find some of those from time to time where I've done some basics on public finance. And let's try to build up some broad concepts at a high level, not, you know, trying not to get too technical about the concepts in public finance, but let's really get at the heart of it. And the real heart of it is cash flows. Money comes in and money goes out. Now, obviously, it gets more complicated than that because it's over space and time that this money moves around. That's true in economics in general, you know, and I aspire to be like Thomas Sowell, where he really got to the nub of things with economics. In basic economics, he kept repeating the point that economics is about the allocation of scarce resources that have alternative uses. And boy, did he pound that into my head that I could just spill that sucker out. Um, public finance does, you know, have to do with scarce resources that have alternative uses. But things that are supposedly for the public good and are owned collectively by the public, theoretically, 
And obviously there are some twists and turns in there because sometimes we have goods that are owned publicly and sometimes privately. Goods and services, I should say. Uh, so for example, in my own town, we have our garbage collection is done. I shouldn't say it's a private company that does the garbage collection, but this is organized and coordinated by through our town. Whereas my parents and where I came from in North Carolina, and I know other towns, um, we have it, you know, privately you contract with the garbage collectors. So it differs from place to place. Not all goods and services are necessarily pro uh, provided through the government. Okay, we'll get to that another time, but the very highest level in public finance and at the core is that their money comes in to these various groups at various levels. And the U.S., we have lots of levels of what could be considered, you know, public finance. Okay, we have the federal government, we have state governments, then we have different levels of government below the state. It could be county, it can be cities, it can be smaller groups below that. And then we kind of have these quasi-private, quasi, you know, we have different things below that. So it's kind of interesting how that works. But any of them run into trouble if they're spending more than they're collecting to pay for the goods and services that, you know, they are providing or, you know, that they're spending on. And we're seeing this over and over again. Now, this plays out in multiple ways. And over the course of this year, so what is my concept behind this back to basics on public finance? So some of this is getting back to just core principles like I'm talking, just cash flows. Cash comes in, cash goes out. That sounds really simple, doesn't it? Well, I have no problem with talking about things in simple terms. I don't need to overcomplicate it. And sometimes... Um, when people are like, oh, this, you know, one quick trick, you know, it's a scam. Okay. When it regards, when it's with regards to say your own personal finance, you know, it's a scam when people, are like, oh yeah, this one cool trick. And then you're like, oh yeah, well, it's actually illegal or actually, you know, I'll run into deep debt and then I'll be bankrupt. But sometimes they trick people into thinking, oh, but it will work because it's government and government doesn't go out of business. So, you know, we'll go through some of those and why those one cool trick really leads into trouble. And usually it just comes back to these core principles, money in and money out. And when that doesn't balance right, how that runs into trouble. Okay. So, you know, this is, I'm, I'm making it very simple. And yeah, I'll talk about some of the terminology. So that's part of it. Another part will be, I will be talking about some of the resources I use in looking at these things. What are the websites I go to? What kind of information I get from them? Um, and how do I interpret that information? So 
uh, if you're an individual, so for example, and I will give concrete examples. I can do theoretical examples, but I think it's much more meaningful if I can show you real examples for, say, a town budget balance sheet, you know, financial statements, or a county or a state. How do you look at these numbers? How do you interpret them? <laughs> you know, what is something that looks solid? What looks uh, distressed? And that kind of thing. This is not going to be super duper analysis where you're trying to do a very sophisticated analysis for municipal bond analysis. People get paid serious money for that kind of thing. I, this is, this is high level and is not intended for, you know, investment advice or anything like that. Okay. This is just to be informed. And another thing I'm going to do is to link to other people who do similar kinds of things. And some of them do get paid, by the way. And, and you know, and I pay some of them, of course, uh, because I'm a subscriber. Um, different publications and people that I have followed over the years that keep me informed on these issues because you may find them interesting as well. Of course, I have been linking to them, you know, when I post about some of these issues over time. Um, but, you know, you know, give little highlights and spotlights through, uh, for these people through the year. So I thought 2023 would be a good year to be laying this foundation because 2024 hmm, may be a bit rambunctious. What do you think? Um, but let's get back to this macabre principle because I did see something recently from Pew Trust, and that's actually one of the resources I'll be talking about uh, another time. But I do want to talk about a report they put out in December about the state long-term revenue versus expenses. So they did a study that they looked at the long-term revenue. So fiscal year 2006 through fiscal year 2020. And remember, fiscal years tend to end. It's not true for all states, but they do tend to end June 30th. So that would have avoided most of the pandemic hit in 2020 in terms of revenues. They would have already, uh, you know, gathered taxes and not have had too much of an impact from COVID in fiscal year 2020. Most of that would have been taxes from economic activity in 2019, calendar year 2019. So most of them would have been fine. So the concept is let's look at their revenue stream versus their expenses, the actual cash flows of what they've done using the state annual comprehensive financial reports. And we'll, I'll be talking about these annual comprehensive financial reports and I'll get a little jargons. ACFRS. Um, yeah, I know it sounds ugly. ACFRS. Ah, it's like I'm choking on my phlegm. Okay. Um, and there was a map showing how did this balance out and the concept here is and all of the states are required to have quote balanced budgets but that's 
what's on paper. This is about reality. What actually got spent compared to what they actually brought in because the budget is before you know what you're bringing in in revenue. This is your plan. The budget's just the plan. That's not reality of what you actually get. So before the pandemic hit, nine states fell short over that period, that fiscal year 2006 to 2020. So that's a pretty long period of time. Now, the good news, of course, is all the other states uh, either were, you know, pretty evenly matched or had quite a bit of surplus. Now, the ones that had a lot of surplus were Alaska, Wyoming, North Dakota. These were states that, of course, have, um, are, you know, very low population and like Alaska, North Dakota, uh, this may be related to, say, their petroleum, um, uh, revenue. I don't know. Um, and there may be some, you know, uh, weird things going on with having a relatively small population base there. Uh, but, you know, a lot of the states were very close to break even, which is good. Um, but, you know, the ones that were very, you know, under where they should have been, none of them were surprises. Or if you have been reading me for a long time or have just been in the public finance sphere for a long time, the ones that fell short by a lot should not surprise you. The worst one, <laughs> I'm going to say, take a guess, but you don't have to guess. It's New Jersey at 91.9% for your ratio of revenue as a percent of your expenses over that whole period. So almost a 10% shortfall. That is huge. That's ginormous. But let me give you some other ones that fell short. <laughs> So the next one. So after New Jersey, who do you think? Oh, of course you know who it is. It's Illinois at 93.9%. That's pretty bad. And the next one after that is Connecticut at 95.5%. So we've got starting at about 10% shortfall at New Jersey. Then we have about 6% shortfall with Illinois. And we have about 4% shortfall with Connecticut. You know, this is not looking great. Massachusetts Massachusetts was, was at 96.5% and Hawaii was at 96.4%. Um, a lot of the other ones that were below 100% were very close, though. So I'm in New York. It was at 99.3%. Okay, it should have been a little bit over 100. That would have been better. I agree. Delaware was at 99.7%. Maryland was at 98.7%. Okay, that's getting a little further away. That's not looking great. Um, and all the other ones were, you know, looking pretty good. Oh, and I'm uh, sorry. Kentucky was at 98.8%. Um, so... You know, the other ones being over 100%, and some were quite above 100%. So Texas was at 106.4%, Florida at 104.6%. Um, 
let's see. A lot of the Western states were looking pretty good, not California. California was at 100.5%, but a lot of the low population Western states, Utah was 110.5%. You can go to the show notes with the link and there's a map there and you can take a look. There's also a link to that Pew study. The median for all 50 states was 102.7%, and that's okay. And what you're looking for, especially given this period, actually had a boom, a boom period in there. So most of that period actually was like a bull market and a lot of economic growth in there, had a very long economic growth period in there. You know, you expected actually to look good so that the states were positioned well when the pandemic hit that there would be actually a little surplus because when I said, you know, you want to actually have something set by and and we'll get to some of what's good finance in general and what's good finance for individuals and what's good finance for the public. It does change a little bit, but you do want to be prepared for untoward situations. Okay. So, you know, That's the concept. Going back to an older post when I first talked about the macabre principle, this was in February uh, 2016, Uh, living beyond your means kills. Debt is just the killing weapon. I mentioned overspending is the cause. The point is the problem doesn't come from the debt per se, but from the overspending over all these years. One can overspend a little bit, take on a little bit of debt. But if that debt is never paid off, if one just keeps accruing more debt and some of that new debt is just rolling over the old debt, there is trouble. There is appropriate use of debt, 30-year bonds to cover the construction of a building that will last 30 years. A one-year note to cover liquidity needs due to lumpiness of tax receipts. Not appropriate use of debt, 30-year bonds to pay for that one-year note. But if you keep overspending your income, that's where you end up. And that's some of the kind of concepts that I'll be talking about in this year to come. Okay, I'm not getting into it much now, but think about it. These states, are spending more than they're bringing in in revenue. So where is that money coming from? In the case of Illinois, and I know this to be the case, so Illinois, remember, their total revenue is 93.9% over this, this period, fiscal year 2006 to fiscal year 2020. Revenue is 93.9% of their total expenses. So just think in terms of cash flow. Cash coming in <laughs> is, you know, they they have a shortfall of about, so this is like say 94%. So this is about a 6% shortfall. 6% of the money is not there to meet. So what do they do? They have to borrow. Or, and how do they borrow? Okay, so they can issue bonds and they do, but part of it is they also don't pay their vendors. 
or don't pay their vendors on time. Um, the unpaid vendors problem in Illinois is persistent because of this shortfall in revenue compared to how much they spend. This is actually something that comes up in these 19th century British novels all the time of these profligate aristocrats who just, you know, keep up the lifestyle to which they are accustomed and don't pay their bills, essentially. And that's what Illinois is doing. To It's not just pensions. It's all sorts of, sorts of services that are current. These are operational expenses that they are not paying. So what happens over time? Well, some vendors, you would hope, would get smart and stop providing services. Because the state of Illinois is essentially borrowing from those vendors. There's also, I mean, the bond market. Again, so far, the interest keeps getting paid. The principal keeps getting paid so far. So... <laughs> more of these concepts to come the concept is and again we will be coming back to these and a lot of people will push back saying well we can keep paying for these bonds we can keep rolling over the debt that has some assumptions built into it that they can keep paying over the debt maybe they can it assumes there are taxpayers or there's revenue. It doesn't have to be taxpayers, just revenue that will cover those payments, that cash will appear in the future. Does not always happen. So we'll look through these over the year to come. Should be an adventure. <laughs> and we can hear about examples throughout history, recent history far past. Some of it may be very far past history. These concepts are not new. Uh, some of the stories we tell ourselves of the very clever ideas that we've gotten to get around the reality of money in and money out. I don't know. <laughs> some of those aren't new either. So that's been Stump, Death and Taxes. And, uh, I hope you will come with me on this journey. Bye-bye.